Well, um, you might have noticed today's readings all point in one direction. They're all about sin. A mirror is held up to David so that the sin he had thought hidden, or at the very least that he had hidden from himself, is is, uh, revealed. The psalmist talks about what happens physically when sin is not confessed. While I held my tongue, my bones withered away. And then in the gospel narrative, we learn very early on that the woman was a sinner. And then we come to the letter of Paul to the Galatians and find the one and only remedy to sin. So let's look at the gospel narrative. It seems quite clear in this story, and you love Luke, all of his pictures are so well drawn. Um, You see all of the characters just pop into perspective for you, um, into full 3D. Um, We've got the woman who's a sinner. We've got Simon the Pharisee. It's his house. Now remember in that day and age in the Middle East, it wasn't like you had to knock on the door. The door was unlocked and somebody came and said, yes, you can come in. The woman could come in the house because the houses were open. They were open onto the street. And Jesus has been invited into the house. He is the only one who's been invited in to that house and the first thing that we hear is that the woman was a notorious sinner and if we'd had any doubt if we were living in that culture in the Middle East we'd know by her loosened hair that she was a woman of uh, what is euphemistically called questionable morals And so hers is a sexual sin, a sin against her own body. But she's come in and she has bathed Jesus' feet with her tears, dried them with her hair, anointed him with ointment that she has bought and must have cost her a pretty penny. So initially we know who the sinner is, don't we? It's quite clear. She's been called a sinner. But you see, Simon is not without sin himself. His sin is one of judgmentalism. He's judged the woman. He's judged her and looked down on her. And he's also judged Jesus because the reason he's asked Jesus into his house is to try and figure out if what people say about him is true. Is he a prophet? So there's part of this conversation that he's actually trying to trick Jesus up. And he figures, well, Everybody knows she's a sinner. He's no prophet. He would have told her to stop doing what she's doing if he is a prophet. And so Simon has the sin here of judgment and of some kind of superior spiritual pride, believing himself superior 
to the woman. David's sins were also sexual in nature. His sins were lust and adultery. But then he went one step further. He also committed murder. He had Uriah the Hittite's blood on his hands. Oh, he hadn't put the spear in his side, but he had told his commanding officer what to do. And all of the soldiers drew back, and Uriah the Hittite was killed by the enemy. David had blood on his own hands, even though he had not pierced the man with his own sword. See, David had gotten to the point where he had once stepped over that clearly defined line on what was not sin and what was sin And each time he stepped one more and found it easier and easier and less able to see what was right, what was wrong, and where sin was. See, God has something to say about all of these sins in Proverbs. He says, seven things are abomination to God, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that hurry to run to evil, a lying witness who testifies falsely, and one who sows discord in a family. See, God finds all of those things an abomination. That's quite amazing, isn't it? That's the same word that, we, that is used in the Old Testament when God is talking about the abomination of the Amalekites who practiced child sacrifice to their pagan god. Such does God look upon with such abomination, not just shedding innocent blood, but lying devising wicked plans, hurrying to evil instead of hurrying to do good, one who sows discord in a family. All of those are abominations to God. Sometimes we're like the woman, so overwhelmed in sorrow with the acknowledgement of our own sin and so overwhelmed with the knowledge of the love of God who comes in to forgive that we burst out in love and thanksgiving. Sometimes we're like Simon sitting in judgment on other people we consider inferior or even greater sinners. And sometimes, like David, we deny or refuse to see or even believe the lie that we are without sin. But Paul has something to say about that. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in it. Then we need a Nathan. We need a Nathan who holds up a mirror to our own sinful soul and says, you are the man. And sometimes we need that parable, that picture image, 
to be able to recognize our own sin. And then like David, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we recognize the depths of our sin and acknowledge, I have sinned against the Lord. For at its foundation, all sin is against God. If we abuse our bodies, our bodies are the Lord's. We're sinning against God. All sin against other people is sin against God because other people are God's beloved, his created ones, his loved ones. And so any sin is a sin against God. But thanks be to God, there is a remedy and it comes from God's own precious hand. He does not desire for us to stay in the pit of despair over our sins. If you are sin sick and you feel at the bottom of a pit of despair over sin, know that there's a remedy. Jesus has provided it. Paul tells us about it in Galatians. We died with Christ. We were crucified with him. In our baptism, we died to that old self. Now that doesn't mean that morning and day after day, we go back and we sin again. Listen, I do. We do. We get angry with people. We get frustrated with people. We say mean things about people. But there's always a remedy. And it's in Christ Jesus. But it requires one thing. It requires that we confess our sin. That we acknowledge that we have sinned. Because Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. Each and every one of us. And we cannot be like Simon who says, your sin is worse than mine. Because that in itself is sin. And we get into a terrible spiral then, don't we? See, we have all sinned. But the remedy is in Christ Jesus. When we can say with David, I have sinned against the Lord, that's when the free gift of healing, the free gift of forgiveness can actually be received. Because even though God's giving us the gift of forgiveness, giving us the gift of new life, giving us the gift of grace, it only gets to be ours if we acknowledge our sin and we repent, which means that we turn in 180 degrees and go in the opposite direction from that in which we have been going. And then it's full. 
He opens up the storehouses and pours his grace and his love and his forgiveness into us to overflowing. It just needs for us to know our sinfulness. And for that we need to ask the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal that in ourselves. It's the truth that the psalmist knew. He said, when I held my tongue, my bones withered away. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my guilt. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Then you forgave me the guilt of my sin. Then, just as the woman heard it, we will hear our Lord say, Your sins are forgiven. They are as far as the east is from the west. Your sins, though they were scarlet, you are made white as snow. You are new creation. You are healed. You are whole. You are my beloved child. Receive all my love. And then let it well up within you. Let it be pressed down a full measure, overflowing. And it overflows to the world. It's what happened with the woman who was a sinner. How much love she showed. That's what Jesus was talking about in the parable. Those who have been forgiven much love much. Will we be like Simon? who refuses to see his own sin? Or will we be like the woman who acknowledges that we do? It's our very human nature. And then receive the healing grace. She acknowledged that in all of her actions. It's why we have a confession in every worship service. We need confession and we need absolution and it comes in our liturgy right at the point before we pass the peace with each other. See, we have to confess our sins, our sins of commission, those things that we have done, those things that we have thought, word, and deed, things that we have thought, words that we have said, deeds that we have done, and our sins of omission, those things that we have not thought, those things that we have not said that we should have said, those things that we have not done that we should have done. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, they're all revealed to us so that the poison of them can be done away with, so that it can be expunged from us, so that it's no more there to poison our soul. And then, having received God's absolution, his forgiveness, we come to the altar We come to the holy table and we receive the new life. We receive his body, his blood. And what is that? But righteousness and grace 
and peace, his love. So all of the dirt washed away, all of the cleanness coming into a clean vessel. See, his heart is not to point the finger and keep us in despair at our sin. It's so that we acknowledge that we need a saviour. If we can do it by the law, by pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps, we don't need one. But we do. Because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. There is none that is good, no, not one. Only through the Lord Jesus Christ. So his heart is for our wholeness. He loves us so passionately. He wants to care for us, to heal us. He knows far better than we do what wholeness looks like. He created us. This book is his love letter. It's the story of a rescue mission for us for God's beloved, and in it we find the Lord of life. And he teaches us daily to examine our lives honestly. And we will do that just shortly in the confession. Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, teaches us to repent, not just to be sorry, to be turned in the other direction, and then to turn back to him with unbounded love. Will we show him the same love as the woman who washed his feet with her tears, who dried them with her hair, who anointed his feet with oil? May it run over from us and reveal it to a world so desperately in need of that love. Amen.